Well, last Sunday, uh, we began a brand new series entitled Supernatural. And we started looking at a key scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to go there again. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And uh, we, we began this series by saying this, this big idea. That there is more going on than what you can see. There is more going on in our world. There's more going on than what you can even see with your own eye. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, this is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. I want you to notice that it's your stand that you get to take. It's not the other Christians who have been doing this longer that should be standing, who stand for you. It's not the pastor and the clergy people and all the professional Christians that should be standing, although we do. So that you can take your stand. So that you can have your relationship with God stand strong. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because he's a scheme and fool. He wants to still kill and destroy your life. And he has some tricks up his sleeve that he's been using for a millennia. Trying to get you and I and anybody who would want to turn their life towards Jesus. He has some schemes to try and get us to not do that. So that we would fail in our faith. It goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil. Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And last week we talked about the heavenly realms, the unseen realm, that there is more going on than what we can see. Now, I wonder if we could just be honest in God's house just for a minute. And how many of you would be willing to, to confess publicly that you once have been in a fight? Anybody been in a fight before? You know, you got in a fight. I'm not going to ask you if you won. We're not going to ask you if it was a girl who beat you up. Fella. We're not going to do that today. But you've been in a fight. One of the I've been in one fight my entire life. I was in grade school around the grade four is when I got into my one and only fight. After that, I decided to be a lover and not a fighter. I remember in I got in one fight. It was over something silly and stupid. But one of the things that that you have to realize when you're in a fight, one of the most important things to know when you're in a battle, when you're going against somebody, is you have to know. Who's on the opposing team? You have to know who you're fighting against. Because otherwise, you're going to fight against the wrong people. I had the privilege of sitting in my skybox yesterday and watching little kids play soccer. A.K.A. my back deck through my glass window getting to watch all these children play soccer. And there was one little kid who was running around and he was excited because there was a goal that was scored. He was like, yes, he fist pumped and everything. It was just the wrong goal. He didn't kick it in. The other team kicked it in and he was excited because he thought that's where they should be kicking the ball. Some of us are unaware of who is on the opposing team. 
Some of us are unaware who's on our team. And some of us are unaware that our team is supposed to be the ones that winning. When you're in a fight, when you're in a battle, it is so important to know who you're going against and who's on the other team and who's on your team. And today I want to talk to you about that for just a few minutes together. I want to talk to you about angels and demons. Angels and demons. We're going to look at a bunch of scripture and look at some of those things to see if we can understand what scripture has to say about angels, about demons, and about this fight that we're in. Because Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, listen, you are in a fight, but it's not against the things that you think. It doesn't look how you think it looks. There's rulers and principalities and powers, and there are, there are things trying to rule and reign in life and in your environment and in your, in your home. And anywhere there is authority that should be present, the enemy wants to gain control over that authority. That means where, when it comes to your own body and your own life, your own person, you have authority. And anytime your authority is being misused, misplaced, or misunderstood, the enemy is going to try and gain control over those things to try and influence outcomes as it relates to that realm. When it comes to your family, your work environment, cities, states, governments, national leaders, the enemy wants to gain principalities. He wants to be in power, wants to be a spiritual force for wickedness in those spaces. And anywhere the kingdom of God has not been established... Anywhere the kingdom of God has not been reestablished, introduced, and in control, the enemy sees that as an opportunity to jump in. Now, I just said a mouthful, and some of you are like, what in the world? Just take a deep breath. It'll make sense as we go along. It'll make sense as we go along. I, w- I want to make one quick recommendation to you. Uh, there's a book called Truly Free by Pastor Robert Morris. You can go buy it online. You can download it. You can uh, order it on Amazon. And it's available most places where books are sold. And he talks about a great deal becoming free. How to find freedom in our lives. How to win and gain control. I want to encourage you, get this book and read it. We're going to unpack a lot of the truths next week as we talk about these uh, false spirits that rule and reign. And if Christians can be possessed by devils and oppressed by the enemy and how we can overcome. We're going to talk about all of that next week. I promise you don't want to miss next week. Because some of you will walk away completely changed next Sunday. But I want you to begin to, to get into it. So if, if you can, get online, order this book, buy it, begin to read it, and allow the Lord to impart some things to you as we continue to discover and, and learn about the enemy's schemes in our lives. Have you ever woken up in the morning and you were just irritated? And then it happened again and again and again? Have you ever looked around in your life and realized that it's just chaotic? fairly consistently? Have you ever been to a point where uh, you can't help but get past this feeling of shame in your life? Where every time you try and make a gain for God's kingdom, you try and make a gain as a believer, you just feel so ashamed 
and silly and like it's not for you and it's not okay and you just feel so, so ashamed and guilt begins to, to creep in again and again. And, and, and you feel like a failure and you just don't know why and you can't figure out what it is, but you just feel off all the time and, and, and you start to feeling depressed and you start feeling all sorts of ways. Can, can I tell you that maybe, just maybe, there's more going on in that moment than what you can see? Because that's the battle, that's the struggle, that's the war that we're in. That's what the enemy is trying to do in our lives So let me introduce you to some of these players in this battle. Some of the key fighters, if you will, in this fight that we are in. First is angels. Angels. We love the thought of angels. But I want to clarify and and help us understand a few things today as it relates to angels. Number one, angels are not babies with harps. I don't care what Hallmark says. Angels are not Christians who have died. Great-grandma did not become an angel. And let's be honest, she wasn't all that saintly while she was alive either. She may be in heaven, but she is not an angel. Babies who pass on in life too soon, they don't become angels either. Are they in heaven? I believe 100% they are. Whether they got drowned in some water or not, that's called dedication. Angels are not fairies, not like Tinkerbell, little dust that they can have and shimmy and shank all around us. No, no, no. Angels don't have to earn their wings. Angels are not to be worshipped. Angels are not omnipresent. In other words, they are in one location at a time. They are not everywhere all at once, but there are lots of angels. Angels do not have a body, but they can appear in bodily form. But they do not have a body. They are, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's what angels are. Angels are supernatural beings who are worshipers, who are warriors, and who are messengers. They are worshipers, they are warriors, and they are messengers. That's who angels are. They, they come to give instruction to you all through scripture. You see angels showing up to give instruction to God's people. They still give instruction today. Angels protect you from danger. Have you ever been in a bad accident and you escaped and you were like, there is no way that I should be standing here today except for divine intervention in this moment. Anybody had an experience like that? Her story, man, I could, I could tell you countless stories that I've heard over the years of people who have been Their life has been spared, and it was just amazing how it happened. And that wasn't God coming down. That was his angels. God's angels protect us from danger. Angels come and minister to us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was in his most anxious moment, so full of anxiety that he began to sweat from his brain drops of blood. Capillaries were just bursting in his head and Outside, blood started to flow and angels came and ministered to him. Hebrews 11 says, or Hebrews 1 actually tells us, are not all angels ministering angels? Let me give you some scripture. Psalm 148 verse 2 says, praise him, 
all his angels praise him, all his heavenly host. Psalms 91, verse 11 through 12. For he, being God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's good news. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Come on, that's good news. Those dangerous Legos that your children leave out, your angel can help you navigate those. Somebody say amen. Revelation 12 and verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael, who is the archangel of warfare, Michael and all his angels fought against the dragon, just another reference to Satan, and the dragon and his angels, demons, fought back. Angels are sent by God to accomplish God's will in our world. They are on God's side. And I'm thankful for it. Now, the, the, the Bible uses lots of different words to talk about angels. Things like hosts. We read it in one of the scriptures. Hosts just means armies. In other words, there are armies of angels. It uses the word cherubim. Big fancy word that just means guardian angel. In Genesis 3, when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, and he put a cherubim, it says in verse 24, he put a cherubim at the tree of life so that no one could get gain access to it. Why? Because he was on guard. Cherubim. And then you've heard, maybe heard this word seraphim. Cherubim and seraphim. Sounds real fancy, right? Seraphim. Those are just angels of worship. Isaiah chapter 6 says that he saw the Lord. And on, uh, around the throne of the Lord were these seraphim. There were these angels who had six wings. With two, they did one thing. With two, they did another. And with two, they flew around. And they continually were worshiping God day and night, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Seraphim, they are angels that worship. Hebrews 1 verse 14 talks about how angels are ministering spirits. Uh, in, in the Gospels, you see angels referenced as light, radiance, and lightning. Like the angels who were at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. It was like lightning, it says. Angels, like lightning, came down. And their light and their face was radiance as they looked on. And the, the, those who were searching for Jesus' body, and they're like, hey, 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 he's not here. He's alive. Those angels came to be a messenger to pronounce something, but they appeared as light and radiance and lightning. And then in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus lets us in on a little secret that the angels' favorite thing that they get to do, they get to be the chief party throwers. The Bible says when one person turns their faith back to Jesus, all the angels in heaven begin to throw a party. If ever there was an angel to be, that would be a pretty cool one. What do you get to do one day? I party. I party all day and all night because somebody's turned into Jesus. That sounds like a fun gig. Angels are the chief party throwers in heaven when people repent. So you have angels that are engaged in this fight, in this battle. But you also have demons that are engaged in this battle. And Satan is the henchman who controls them all. So, so what are demons? Well, let me give you some descriptions. Demons are fallen angels who are liars. They bring fear. 
and they point away from God. That's, that's what a demon does. These little minions of Satan who were once angels in heaven, rebelled, rejected God, got kicked out of heaven for their own pride and arrogance, were deceived by the devil and fell. And now they wreak havoc on behalf of their master, Satan. And they lie, they bring fear, and they point away from God. Devils do, or demons do, the devil's bidding here on this earth. They divide, bring strife, they deceive, they destroy, and they distract you from God. That's what they're here to do. They're here to do all of those things. Demons, they, they can possess an unbeliever. They can look... Uh, they look for realms of authority to try and control. They seek to influence, attack, create resistance, and establish strongholds even among believers. Now, next week, we're going to get into that a whole lot more. I'm going to walk you through what the Bible actually says and the good news behind what also the Bible says about the authority and God's desire to bring freedom to every believer. Because I don't know if you would be willing to, to realize it or, or even admit it or not, but there are some things that sometimes just keep trying to drag you down in life, aren't there? Certain attitudes that keep creeping back up. Certain habits you just can't kick. Certain ideas and thoughts that, man, you just, every time you try and get it out and you try and guard your mind and guard your thought, man, you just, some of you are stuck in a space of poverty and you can't get out. Why? Because the enemy has you trapped. But Jesus wants to set you free. And we're going to talk about it next week. So don't miss it. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth being here for. Do demons have power? Yes. Do they have ultimate power? No. Do we need to be afraid of them? Only if you want to do what they want. Right? That's what they want you to think. That you should be afraid of them, but we don't have to be. All through the Bible, when you're trying to interpret Scripture, you have to look for symbols all through Scripture. And all through the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, there are certain descriptors that are used as symbols or types and shadows that are pointing to something else. In other words, the Bible will use language that speaks practically or specifically about something but it's not really talking about that thing. It's a metaphor. It's a symbol that is used in literary writings to really mean something else, right? That's, it's just kind of what it is. Let me, let me tell you where scripture uses. All through scripture, you will see things like snakes, serpents, birds of the air, beasts of the field, and scorpions. It's not literally talking about snakes, and spiders, and bears, and wild boars, and vultures. It's not being literal. It's symbolic language of a demonic presence. Pastor, are you sure? Positive. Let me show you some scripture. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 9 through 10. Come, all you beasts of the field. Come and devour all you beasts of the forest. Check this out. For Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. In other words, 
Israel's watchmen, the people who are supposed to be looking out for the children of Israel, they have turned a blind eye and become skeptical, and they can't recognize the enemy's attack. Because of their own life, because of their own arrogance, because of their own pride, they are no longer standing guard over their houses. So beasts of the field come and devour them. That wasn't meaning that there was going to be a bear that would come out from hiding and devour all of the children of Israel. Why? Because it never happened. It's a prophecy. It's speaking about spiritual things. Speaking about demons and their work. Mark chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. This is Jesus. Jesus was... Just got baptized. You remember the story? He got baptized in the Jordan River. The heavens split. Oh, and, and skies broke. Light showed up. And like God started, this is my son. Sorry, that was a little Darth Vader-y. That was wrong, wrong voice impression. I got that deep bass. I need some deep bass. This is my son. In him, I am well pleased. The Bible says Jesus got up out of the water in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in the final week of this thing. Got up filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights as he fasted. Mark chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Jesus was driven into the wilderness. And, verse 13, he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Jesus had to overcome and was able to overcome all of the advances that Satan himself tried to bring in his life. He walked in victory over the devil and all of his demons and all those that would come with him. But did you notice that he was there with Satan and with all the wild beasts? Why? It's a symbol referencing the demonic and the spiritually dark forces that try and invade our world. Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching a bunch of people, and he's speaking on one of the most famous parables, perhaps. It's the parable of the, the, the sower and the seed. And Jesus says the sower went out and sowed some seed. Verse 3 and 4. He goes on to say, and as he was scattering the seed, notice this, some fell along the path and the birds of the air came and ate it up. That was the parable. That was the story. That was the allegory that Jesus was telling. And the disciples were like, "Um, can we rewind back to that parable? And could you maybe tell us what all that meant? Because we're not sure what you meant by all that, Jesus. Can you help us out? Can you take the cookies and put them on the bottom shelf for us, Lord? We're having a little trouble reaching this one. So Jesus explains it, starting in verse 14. Check this out. The farmer sows the word. What's the word? God's word. The farmer sows the word. This is the only time you can look at me as a farmer. Only time in your life, right here in this moment. Take it or leave it, friends. Won't happen again. The farmer sows the word. Preaching of God's word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Who came along? Satan. Now, demons can't be everywhere. 
At the same time, they're not omnipresent, just like the angels. They have to be in one place at a time. Same with Satan. He can't be everywhere at once. He has to be one place at a time. Why? Because he was once an angel too. So he has to play by those same rules. He's not God, so he can't be everywhere at once. Only God is like that. But Satan and the demons, they only are one place at a time. But how many of you know, on a Sunday, there are a lot of people who hear God's word. They walk out the door, get stuck in traffic, and the whole sermon is gone. I know none of you have ever experienced that. You go home and your kids, you're like, you have been incarnated by the devil. Timeout isn't working. Where's the whip Jesus used? Right? Like you're just ready. The enemy can't be everywhere at one time. He only can be in one space at a time. But the enemy wants to steal away the seed of God's word that is sown into your hearts. That's what he's after. And the When Jesus told the parable originally, he didn't tell him it was the devil who was doing it. He told him it was the birds of the air. It was a symbol. It was a symbol. All through scripture, you will see those things pop up. And they're not talking about those literal things. They're talking about the devil and his evil demons that are trying to produce dark forces and gain control in a world where they no longer have authority. Angels are a part of this. Demons are a part of this fight, but they're not the only ones in this battle. Believers are in this battle too. I'm going to talk to you for a minute about believers. What do you mean by believer, pastor? Here's what I mean. Believers are those who overcome the enemy because Jesus gave us his authority. Come on, it's a good thing to think about for a little bit. Believers are the people who have surrendered their life to Jesus and they overcome the enemy and his evil work, and all the henchmen that he would try to steal, kill, destroy, devour, distract, uh, lie, bring fear. We overcome the enemy because Jesus gave us his authority. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to worry about, is there a demon over here? Is there something over here? Uh, uh, No, 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 we ain't got to, no. We can walk with confidence. We can, having done all to stand, Stand, therefore. When the battle rages, we can stand. Why? Because the enemy doesn't have authority in our lives unless we give it to him. Believers, you and I, those who have said yes to Jesus, we are in this battle. And we can stand against the enemy's attacks, against his advancements, against his schemes, against all of it. We can stand against it. Why? Because we overcome, because Jesus gave us his authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus had just sent out his disciples. There were 72 of them that went out in groups of two to go do ministry. Jesus said, hey, listen, I want you to go all over this region and preach that the kingdom of God is here, that the Messiah has come. I want you to go preach, preach, do these things, walk in authority. I give you the keys of the kingdom, Jesus told them. Whatever you bind is bound, whatever you loose is loose. If people don't accept you, that's okay. Don't take it personally. Just knock the dust off all your feet as you walk out of their town. In other words, don't let bitterness creep in because somebody didn't want to hear what you had to say or what God had to say. Don't get offended at that. Just keep moving. And so they were all coming back together. 
And they were coming and reporting back to Jesus all that had happened. The 72 returned with joy, verse 17, and said, Lord, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jesus, 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 oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You'll never guess what happened. I got to tell you something. Hey, Dad, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Hey, Dad, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Dad, Dad, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Any parents relate to that, right? That's what's happening. They came back to Jesus and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. I can't believe it. Even the demons. And Jesus was like, no way. Seriously? That worked? No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said this. His reply was this. Yeah. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, he has no more power, no more authority, no more rule. He's got nothing. It was taken from him. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. In Mark 16, he's commissioning his disciples and says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. If you drink deadly poison, it's not going to hurt you. If you handle a snake, it's not going to bite you. Jesus wasn't telling his disciples, hey, play with snakes so that you can prove how spiritual you are. No, that's stupid. That is silly. It is not biblical. What is he talking about? He's saying, you have authority over the devil and all of his demons. And if you come in contact with one, you happen to run into one, you have some oppression, somebody's trying to attack you, the enemy's trying to wreak havoc in your life, somebody that you know is just really battling with something, you have authority to grab it and tell it to go in Jesus' name. Is Halloween a little bit of a dark night? Yeah. Is it a dark holiday with roots that aren't good? Yeah. Jesus didn't say go hide out in your houses and pretend like it's not there. He says, why are you hiding? Get your light on and go be in the dark spaces. Jesus himself said, I didn't come for the sick or I didn't come for the healthy I came for the sick. Friends, it's time to let our light shine. It's time to take back what the enemy has tried to steal in our lives. It's time to advance where, God, where we've retreated. It's time to step forward. Who in the world needs the love and the light of Jesus? The people who are living a dark life. Darkness is not more powerful than light. The dark powers of the enemy are not more powerful than Jesus and his church. They're not. Darkness is just the absence of light. The reason why we do light the night isn't just to love kids. That's a huge part of it. It's not just to be a positive presence in our world and in our community. 
it is a prophetic declaration that we as the people of God are making to say where the enemy used to try and gain control in our community, he doesn't get that anymore. We are on guard ourselves and we're going to stand here as lights in a dark world. We're going to stand here where the demonic might be active. We're going to stand here where fear might be prevalent and we're not going to hide. We're not going to be ashamed. We're going to stand with the authority of Jesus and say whatever it is that God has called us to do, we are more than conquerors. Because light wins. Light wins. Revelation 12, verse 7. The war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels and they fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now has come the salvation. Now has come the power and the kingdom of our God. For the accuser of our brothers and our sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They have triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. They overcome by the word of their testimony. They don't love their own lives and huddle up in in only Christian circles. No, they love their lives even under death and they don't shrink back from it. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. Why? Because if you've said yes to Jesus, you've been washed and cleansed by the blood and the blood of Christ makes you clean so that the devil who's trying to accuse you all the time, you're not good enough. You're not a good enough Christian. You don't show up enough. You don't give enough. You haven't been doing this long enough. You you can't get cleaned up. Your life will never really be uh, amount to anything. You might as well just stay stuck in your life. The devil, and, and he's just accusing you and accusing you and accusing you. When you say yes to Jesus, his mouth has to stop and he no longer can accuse you. He no longer can condemn you. A seal is placed on your heart when you say yes to Jesus and the accuser gets thrown down. I was early middle school when I went on a missions trip. It was my second missions trip. We went on a missions trip to a Navajo Indian reservation outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And we went to do some kids crusades and do some other things that were there, but we were ministering to this Indian reservation and Native Americans are quite spiritual. Not always with the right spirit, but they are quite spiritual. And we encountered a young lady who was super nice, super sweet. And on one of the occasions, she was there and we started talking to her about Jesus and we started praying with her about something and all of a sudden, she began to display and there was a different spirit now in control. She was possessed by the devil, by a demon. And we hurled around her and we looked her in the eye and we told her she was loved by God and that if she would surrender her life to Jesus and if she would cry out for Jesus, that he would set her free. We rebuked the devil, told him to go, led her in a prayer. She received Jesus and instantly changed. Why? Because darkness can't be 
where light exists. She was set free. Not too long ago, I was meeting with a young man who was on a journey. He hadn't really submitted his life to the Lord. He really had no intention of doing it. He was very anti-God. Hard heart, full of anger and rage. And we were sitting, we were talking one time and he was telling me of some dreams recently that he had had. Very, very violent dreams, full of rage and anger and really disturbing. And they were messing with him. And I sat in that moment as I was praying internally and said, Lord, what you want to do? Why? Because I walk in the authority that Jesus gave me. Didn't he tell us? I didn't look at him and say, boy, you demon possessed. Didn't say any of that. I listened. And I said, I believe there's some things that are in you that the only way they're going to get out of you is by letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. And shaken, he's like, I think you're right. We prayed. He accepted Jesus into his life. And immediately, his whole entire countenance changed. Where there was darkness in his eyes, there wasn't darkness anymore. Where there was a sense of just angst, there was such a peace. Where there was just this, that's hard to describe, there was now a bright smile on his face. Why? Because Jesus set him free. And he's not been the same since. Why? Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where somebody says yes to Jesus, all that has been oppressing them and tormenting them and troubling them, it has to go. Why? Because Jesus becomes present where he used to be absent. Friends, will you stand? I want to close in prayer. you bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute? I ask that nobody be moving around unless it's an absolute emergency. Friends, angels are real. And they're on God's side. Demons, they are also real and powerful. But as believers, we are more powerful because of Jesus' authority and his blood. Some of you know you've been under attack and you've been dealing with some things. And today, as I've been speaking, you know you need to say yes to Jesus. There have been some things that have been troubling you and bothering you. But you know that today is a day that if you say yes to Jesus, you're going to allow the light of Christ to come into your life, to set you free, to cleanse you, to fill you. No more being bound by the enemy. If you have not given your life to Jesus and today you'd say, Pastor, I want to be on God's team. I want to be a believer who overcomes by the blood and I haven't done it yet, but today's my day. I want to say yes to Jesus. Would you just put a hand in the air unashamedly? Just put a hand in the air. I want to lead us in a prayer. If you're saying, I want to accept Jesus today. I want to accept Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church family, let's all pray this prayer together. And those of you with your hands up, you can put them down, but pray this prayer from your heart. Say, dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus came to this earth for me to die on a cross for me. I believe that Jesus 
rose again three days later. I desire to be in your family, God. Set me free. Let me walk in victory in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray right now for every person in this room. I pray that this week we would walk aware that though the battle be real, your might and power is stronger. Though the enemy may attack, we can resist him and stand because of what Jesus has done for us. Father, I thank you that we have the victory through Jesus. You've overcome, and we get to walk in that victory too. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's thank the Lord.